Welcome to Front and Nationwide. This is the Athletics Dedicated Blue Jackets Podcast. Aaron Portsign with you on a what the hell is this, Allison? Is this a this is a Wednesday? Is it? I'm not sure. And they're all this, the the days are blending. The Blue Jackets have made a they've made some news today, including a splash in free agency. Uh, we're going to start there. We've got the draft to get through. A huge trade: Seth Jones traded, Cam Atkinson traded. Um, Yarmo Kekalainen has been a busy man and the dust hasn't necessarily settled yet. They're still, uh, working to add probably a right side defenseman as we record this at six in the evening on Wednesday, um, may not happen today. That defenseman may happen in a couple days or in a, in a week or so. This is free agency today. Um, but the, the news for today, Blue Jackets sign, Dublin, Ohio's Sean Corrali, four years, $10 million. It's 2.5 a year, uh, $2.5 million salary cap. Corrali, a fourth or third line center. I think he could be a third line center in Columbus, but an exceptional, exceptional player at the sort of uh, the hard, difficult aspects of this game. Winning faceoffs, great penalty killer. Uh, I think he, he took, uh, I think, only one Bruins player took more defensive zone draws than he did last year on a team with some pretty strong, strong players. Blue Jackets have him for four years. Um, Allison, your thoughts on that before I rattle off the other the other contract news today? Yeah, I mean, I agree. I think it's a, a bottom two, bottom two center. Um, but Lord knows. <laughs> The Jackets need help in the middle. So yeah. um, they also know that we also believe we know that this is a team that is slowly going to build back to their most productive selves. So is that maybe okay for now? Maybe. Sure. Why not? Yeah. And you know what? I'll say this about about Mr. Corrali. And I think the, the folks in, in Boston know this very, very well. You saw the word underappreciated used by many people who have watched that team closely through the years. Um, Sean Corrali is the, is the kind of guy that you want on your team. And I almost don't even really care about the depth chart because as we all know, the, if we didn't learn it last year, we're never going to learn it. The best plans, the best intentions can, can be blown sky high a week and a half into the season. I don't know yes. if this kid plays in the fourth line or the third line, but I want this kid, this kind of player, and this kind of person in my room if I'm a general manager. Okay. I that, Yes. And so I almost don't even care about the depth chart. But then you start to look at the, the names down the middle for the Blue Jackets and you go, eh, nah, oh, yeah, hurt. Oh, Jenner, is he a winger or is he a center? And I, I don't think Corrali necessarily plays in the top six. I know he doesn't, but I'm willing to say he's probably among those group of players. The centerman is the most accomplished centerman on this roster. Again, not a top six guy, but in terms of a veteran player who knows the drill, there's really nobody else on this roster that compares to him. Oh, yeah, for sure. And, you know, and and it's it's an interesting pairing in that sense because often this is a quote-unquote grizzled vet, Right. And yeah. so you have someone who's a little younger coming in with that knowledge who, in theory, you know, if things work out, can can be along for the ride as right. this team kind of builds back up, not from scratch, but but 
the the the, the baseboards, the foundational sure. boards. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Uh, other moves today: Boone Jenner signs a four-year contract extension worth fifteen million. Eric Robinson signs a two-year contract extension, three point two million. These are total, of course, not per year. Uh, and those so those are the extensions. RFAs with new contracts. Patrick Liney accepts his qualifying offer. He'll make seven point five million next year. And Texier, rather than accept his qualifying offer, has signed a two-year deal. Uh, two other minor league deals from today. The Blue Jackets signed Gavin Bayreuther. That's right, Gavin Bayreuther. I'm waiting for the Seattle Kraken to thank him for his time. Uh, <laughs> a two-year contract to Bayreuther. It's a two-way deal this year and a one-way deal next year, and also a minor league deal for Tyler Sakura forward for most likely the Cleveland Monsters. Um mm-hmm. Allison, they they you have seen over the last four or five days here just an incredible amount of turnover with the Blue Jackets, and really that turnover goes back. I mean, it's been like 110 days, and they've moved out Felino, Savard, Atkinson, Jones, like four huge parts of what this room was for the last better part of the last decade. Mm-hmm. How? I'm not even. Can you process all the changes that that changes that have happened? Can you get a grip on what this team looks like right now and how different that room might be walking into it in the fall? I I don't think that that people will really feel it until they either walk into that room or see that team on the ice because it's just completely different. You know, there's. There have, we've been so busy, so it's not, I haven't, I don't know that I've had time to reflect on the state of things, but there have been a few pauses. And I think most notably after we knew the Seth Jones trade was coming, but after the Cam Atkinson trade came, you know, there was kind of a a pause in my day of, you know, this is, this is the end of an era. I mean, it really is. This is a, this is a new generation of the team. So yeah, I think it's going to be weird. I mean, you know, people who go into that locker room as media, we don't even know where guys sit anymore. Oh, right. <laughs> it's, it's been two years. So we don't even know that it's going to be, it's going to be interesting to to see how this all shakes out. I told Felino even after he was traded last year, when the blue jackets would lose, I was like, I should feel like I should text Felino for a comment here. Cause he's always been the guy to talk after losses. Yep. Exactly. Like, it's just going to be a different uh, vibe. And I, I don't want to say there's a vacuum of leadership, but there's, there's an opportunity there that I, I, you know, and, and Yarmo really didn't lay out his plans in this respect, but I can understand his thinking. He had a rather strong quote uh, to us the other day, explaining why the veterans were all moved out and why the room's going to be so different next year. And his quote was, we haven't had any parades around here. Mm Mm-hmm. Those guys have had their shot, and now we're building it up a different way because it didn't work that way. It's kind of hard to argue with. It's a, it's a bit blunt, but it's it's hard to argue with, Allison. I'll argue with it. Oh, <laughs> I, yes. I think I I think it's a little callous to be honest to say that. I mean, is it is it true that there was no parade? Yes, it is, it is. true. There was no parade, but I think that there also needs. You know, was anyone happy? No, we know this with what happened and what didn't happen. They wanted more. But I really feel you have to be careful saying something like that because where this organization was when this core took shape 
and what they did to the organization, I still think deserves a little bit more respect than maybe that comment conveys, at least to me. That's just my read on it, and maybe I'm wrong. Um, so, you know, I'll say that. And, I, and I'll also say, you know, it's interesting. I, I've been talking to some captains, some former captains, current captains in the league, and, you know, I've asked them this question. I'm like, you know, we all sit here and we say, you know, what, what's the deal with, with captaincies and how does it work and is it really a big deal? And, you know, some of the things that people have said to me is it, it's really not that big a deal. And no one in that room really, it's not like they wait and say, who do we go to? Oh, you're yeah. the guy with the letter. Right. That's who we go right. to. Guys figure out who they can go to for what. And that's how leadership works in the room. And it, it, it translates into a lot of what people see on the ice, both in play and, and, you know, on the bench and things like that, that leadership, real leadership isn't a title. It isn't ordained. Um, and it doesn't necessarily have to be centered all in one or three people. There can be little pockets of it everywhere. Um, you know, and if, if we go back to even when Nick Foligno was named captain, honestly, the players clamored for that because they were just sick of having questions asked to them about it. (laughs) That, that, That was the limit. It wasn't because they needed this, this, or, you know, wonderful C put on Nick Felino's sweater. Right. So, you know, I again, I know it's ironic, but for me, I, I feel like particularly right now, this leadership conversation needs to wait because we don't know what this group is. We don't know how they're going to be asked to play. We don't know how they're going to come together. And all we can do is watch for it and see how it evolves. Yeah. Well, And, and we should say this too. When asked today, Yarmo Kekalainen, Agreed that Boone Jenner does make sense on a lot of levels as the next captain. He's the longest tenured player. By all accounts, a good guy in the room. But he also said there's really no urgency to do that now. Right. They want to wait and see, and it will become apparent who is the captain. Let me see this by your earlier comment on uh, two things. And I agree with him. I want to say that the captaincy, and it's such a weird, fun, weird thing because when you say it too fast, it comes out like the word captaincy. The captain's C mm-hmm. is largely ceremonial. 100%. But because, guy, as you said, guys are going to go to who they go to and who they feel comfortable going to or who they get results from or just the conversation's right for them. But I, th- but I, I think it is an organization's outward, res- outward show of respect to a leader in the room. And so as much as the players didn't like the questions, I really don't think we, after an initial like, seriously, no captain, I think it kind of died down a little bit. I think I think more, I think the guys in the room started getting pissed off about it because it, it was also put forth as though nobody, to them, as though nobody was deserving of it. And yeah. so for that, for them, it was like, you know what, bullshit, give us a captain. This has gone on long enough. Yeah, and I mean, I'll I'll hear that to some point. You know, I again, this is where with the the thing we've talked about with this organization for way too long now. Like at the end of the day, I think there are many ways to show respect to a player that can be far more meaningful than saying "I respect you." Here's a letter on your jersey. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. So you know, again, to to me, look if if it matters to people, great. If it helps with. Who I mean, and this is the other thing. Poor Boone. Does Boone really want to be the captain? Does Boone have, okay. does Boone have to be the one to talk to media every day? It doesn't. With all due respect to Boone, this that does not strike me as one of his top two thousand favorite things to do in life. Correct. Uh, particularly after a loss. 
So let's save the poor man some pain and (laughs) (laughs) not make him have to be the one to answer after every loss. Um, And and just just see how this shakes out. And one more thought on the we haven't had any parades around here comment. That's also, and I'm not, you got to be careful here. I'm not sure exactly if he, as you said, maybe that deserves some context. It also absolves other people mm-hmm. of blame in the process. In other words, we gave you every opportunity to players and you didn't get it done, so we're changing. There's been some mistakes made. I think everybody can can recognize those. Um, players that have gotten away, trades that didn't work out, yada, yada. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't know many years, honestly, where you where, – I don't know any years where the Blue Jackets went into the playoffs and you said this team is uniquely equipped to win a Stanley Cup right now. They were all, right. always the underdog. So the blame of the players, I think, goes only – they're ultimately in charge of it, but it only goes so far. Well, and the flip side of this too is – and, you know, we talk about this and many organizations have this conversation. Who are the greatest players to never win a cup, right? Oh, so, yeah. I mean, I get it. Again, I get the intention. But if, if only great players and only great leaders win cups, I mean, then <laughs> we got yeah. a lot of rewriting of history to do yeah, here. <laughs> so, you know, again, I just – And maybe it is because I am still processing that it's the end of an era, but I just, I think you can convey what you're trying to convey a little differently. And and people who were here should be remembered for what they did do, acknowledging it wasn't enough, but they did a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, So that's today. That's a lot for one day, by the way. Yes. I'm tired. Can we finish now? I mean, boy, did Yarmo, Yarmo pulled out some contracts and got the business uh, these last couple of days. Um, so let's get to the the big events of, of over the weekend. Two of the biggest or at least more prominent trades in franchise history. Uh, we start with the Blue Jackets at the draft. Seth Jones, just an hour before the draft, traded to the Chicago Blackhawks for, Allison, correct me if I get this wrong. Oh, this is insane. Defenseman Adam Bogvist, 20-year-old, has already played Good chunk of games in the NHL. A first-round pick this year, which was number 12 overall. Mm-hmm. A first-round pick next year, which is protected against the Blackhawks giving up the first or second overall pick should they finish with one of those two picks. Mm-hmm. In that case, it would slide to 2023. That's fine mm-hmm. as well. Uh, and a second-round pick. Now, the Blue Jackets quickly took that second-round pick traded it to Carolina for Jake Bean. The Blackhawks in return got Seth Jones and the number 32 overall pick in this year's draft. So Columbus moved up 20 spots. Mm-hmm. And they get a first-round pick for next year. Now, I'm I'm really excited about the guys that the players got in the draft. Mm-hmm. But let's just talk first, because I know you love this trade. From the Blue Jackets' perspective, Allison, um, tell me why you love this trade. Well, I, you know, and I've said this a couple places now. When when the when the return started to come out, and it was Boquist plus a first, I, I was happy because you know the Blue Jackets, as as much as it, it, there's there's the there's the quality of the player, and then there's the leverage that a side has in the negotiation to demand exactly what they want. And the Blue Jackets didn't have a ton of that. The player wanted out. Everyone knew the player wanted out. It's where they were. So 
when the first and the, and Boquist came back, I, I was fine. I was like, this is this is a good trade. When a second first comes back, and, and this is with all respect to Seth Jones, this has nothing to do with the caliber of player that he is. That's a whole different conversation. I was floored. Floored. And you add on top of it, the contract that Chicago gave to the player, I mean, just look at how much Chicago paid, both in acquisition and in retention. That's insane. That's, That's a insane. pretty penny. It's insane. What was it? Eight years, 9.5? Yes. Eight years, 9.5. So 76 million. And a lot uh, of it in signing bonuses too. So it's it's yeah. not a contract that's easily that's right. manageable, movable. Should that situation arise, you hope it doesn't for the player. But should that situation arrive, yeah. And, and this is the kind of trade that I think when you real, if you're a Blue Jackets fan who who has your who who is enthralled or at least on board with a quote unquote rebuild, retool, refurbish, whatever the rehack they're doing. Mm-hmm. This is the kind of dream, the trade that you dream about. Yes, a million the percent. Massive futures, the moving up. I, Jake Bean is a promising young defenseman, 23 years old. This Boakfist kid is a 20 year old defenseman, very promising prospect, has really impressive skills, maybe has trouble defending. You'll have that. He's not playing with Wierenski, mm-hmm. I think we can say. Agreed. Um, but yeah, so it's the kind of trade I think if you're Yarmo Kekalainen and you hope you'd be able to make. Now, apparently, and and this has not been confirmed by by Seth himself, at least I don't think it has. It was down to Dallas and Chicago mm-hmm. as teams uh, with with whom Seth would sign long term. Mm-hmm. And Dallas is part of Dallas's return again, according to reports, would have been defenseman John Klingberg. Mm-hmm. Which, if you're the Blue Jackets, in my mind, that's not really what you're looking for here. Right. You're looking for young and promising and picks. Yes. Um, because you you don't want to pay 26-year-old defensemen, 28, whatever they are. You want to pay them huge money for the next three years and then have them move on when you're just starting to get good. This is a grow-with-us type of build here. That's right. Clearly. Um, and then, Allison, they take the they, – they have their number five overall pick, which they – which they had by their own struggle this year. It was their own pick. And they drafted a forward from the University of Michigan named Kent Johnson. Mm-hmm. Now, Johnson played mostly wing at Michigan. Some scouts think he may end up playing wing in the NHL. But Johnson himself is convinced he's a center. The Blue Jackets insist he's a center. Michigan coaches think he's a center. Allison, for now, he's a center. Okay. Um, and... I, there are people who think he may be the most skilled, talented, ultimately the best player in this draft because of his upside. Yes. Um, I'm as excited about that. I love the draft, as you know. Well aware. As, as I am the number 12 pick, which is – and this is fascinating. I talked to Seth. I want to say it was like 4 o'clock on Friday, the day of the draft. Mm-hmm. And it was just, it wasn't a, hey, what's going on? Tell me everything you know, because I, I knew he was kind of deep in it. It was, hey, when this goes down, when this goes down tonight, give me a shout, hey? Okay. And, you know, you always get the, yeah, I'll do that. You got it, bud. No, no problem. And he was great. He was gracious. And one of the things he mentioned was, it's coming down to the wire. 
And at this point, nobody knew he was talking to Chicago. So I read that. And I was like, what the hell is he talking about coming down to the wire? Like, there's no deadline for this. Well, there was. Mm-hmm. That, that signing needed to happen so that the Blue Jackets could trade him because part of the fascination of that trade for them was being able to get the number 12 overall pick this year. Right. And it was because they wanted Cole Sillinger. Mm-hmm. And we, you could tell, and I think we talked about this last week, they were in no man's land for Cole Sillinger. I think we mentioned him on the podcast last week. Is there a way they can get to 12 or somewhere in that midsection? How can they get back in there and get this player whose father played for the organization that the organization, by all accounts, really, really loved? So part of the deal with, with Chicago was to get their number 12 pick. That worked out perfectly. And Sillinger falls to number 12. And this is a kid... If Johnson is their number one center in three years, Sillinger could be their number two center by then for sure. And they may have drafted their their top two centermen. Sillinger's a a really impressive kid. And he's one of those kids, I I, I think it was Gross at the draft said, he was born to do this. And he's just one of those Canadian kids you get that sense from where there's just, it just seems so... The risk of them not working out or being a player in the NHL just seems so minimal to me. And I know it's the draft. I know you can get into a lot of trouble making grandiose statements. But I feel like the Blue Jackets really made a couple of hits here with their picks, the two forwards at the, at the 5 and 12 spot. Allison, now that's happened, do you care to weigh in? I mean, just as I have said, I am not a draft expert, but the people that I listen to would agree with you. But, you know, again, I feel like, I think it's exciting. I think the Blue Jackets should be proud of what they did this past weekend. It was an impressive effort, but you don't know till you know. And we'll just right. have to hope that these these picks turn out to be the players. And it happens to every organization. This is not just a Blue Jacket situation, right. but um, you just have to hope that they work out. And so I, I'm excited for them. I think the results are solid, but um, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, now Ken Johnson is almost certainly certain to go back to Michigan. Yes. Uh, for his sophomore year. Cole Sillinger has played in the Western Hockey League. This last year played in the United States Hockey League uh, because of COVID, and the Western Hockey League didn't play. Um, he, he, There's a chance, and you're going to laugh at this, but I know some people who have suggested that it is not crazy that Cole Sillinger stick around for a long time in training camp and may even start the season here. Oh, dear. Okay. I know. That's mm-hmm. it, it is out there, though. Um, well, it's a good thing Jake Voracek's here because they've done that before to two young players. Jakers. Yeah. Yes. Uh, Jakers didn't – Jake's no, – uh, Jake was drafted in 07 and came – his first year was 08 or 09. Yeah, the but that, that was that whole class of players that they rushed too early. Brassard, Jake. Yeah. It was that whole situation. Jake was pretty good that year. Yeah. Um, First-round draft pick also for the Blue Jackets, number 25 overall defenseman, uh, Corson Kulovitz. And I have to look into this, but apparently he was named after Shane Corson. Okay. His dad met Shane Corson one night, had beers with him in a hotel lobby, was blown away by the experience and named his kid Corson, which is among the most Canadian things I've ever heard. Okay. And he is a six foot two, two hundred pounder. He's going to Wisconsin next year, um, so he's in good hands there. 
as well. I think the Blue Jackets, let's get a, a general statement from you, Allison, because I feel like Friday, and I wrote this with some, you know, you put some qualifiers in there. We don't know where it's going to go. It, it all hinges on these draft picks for sure. And Chicago got a hell of a defenseman in Seth Jones. We should not in any way, uh, you know, make it seem like we're kicking dirt on his back on his way out of town. Fabulous player, fabulous kid. So maybe they win short term. I feel like the Blue Jackets had a day on Friday. That it just felt like a day that this organization hasn't had very often in terms of everything falling into place for them as they wished. Yeah. No, I like I said, I, th- I think it was a very, very, very strong day. And if you look at all the factors and if you look at the general attitude that was kind of around everything – I think that this is one of the ultimate best case scenarios that they could have hoped for. And I think that what what people feel now and the intangible side of it is that people now, hope is back. I don't know that there was hope before Friday. And I think that now there feels to be direction and focus once again. Yeah. And so let's get to the other big piece of news here, because this, I feel like of all of the things that the Blue Jackets have done, this was the one thing that a lot of Fans had a hard time getting their arms around. Yes. Cam Atkinson, and it's so front of mind that I feel like I have to say it, maybe the strongest ambassador for this city in his time here, the player that tried to convince Artemi Panarin to to stay. Um, He's invested himself in the community. He, he He has been Columbus's biggest... Uh, supporter, biggest brand ambassador, you might say, traded to Philadelphia uh, for Jake Voracek. Now, we'll get into the the hockey explanation of it. How big of a – I mean, I couldn't help but see it on, on Twitter. You can't read every response, but there were a ton of them. I saw a bunch of, no, surely this is a joke. Oh, my God, how am I going to tell my kids? Allison, this one left a mark. Oh, 100%. And I think, you know, usually when the trick of this one too is, and this is with full respect to Jake Voracek, usually when there's a painful give, there's an understandable get in terms of more right now goals. Yeah. And I think that's part of the problem too here is that this, it, there you could argue, you could argue that this was not a necessary move. You could argue that that they could have kept Cam Atkinson, and if if we're trying to help Patrick Lina here, we keep muddling through, and it is what it is. Um, and you know, you bring in the personality of it. You, I mean, my gosh, the guy was in Nationwide Arena signing autographs like not even twelve hours earlier. Yeah. Right. So you bring in the emotional element. You bring in, in my opinion, what the caliber of the individual and what he has done for the city and the organization, and and the fact that he was. Not just what he said, but that he was someone who wanted to be out there pushing it too. And I, listen, Cam wants to be out there, and I think that's awesome. That's great. You know, do as he he does a lot of good stuff. So if he wants to be out there making appearances and and this and that, God bless. Um, so I think, yeah, this you know the like I said, the end of the era feel didn't really come for me until this one hit because that was it. Felt like all the tent poles were gone. And this is a guy that I think his personality too comes across as very approachable, very friendly. I think that fans are kind of 
wayward in terms of who they look to now in, in terms of a quote unquote favorite or right. who, who are they, who are they going to get an autograph from? Who's going to smile at them when they see them? Who are they going to see walking around town? Just because Cam, whether that was factually true or not, that was, that was the persona he gave off. Yeah. Allison, if you think of it in these terms, you're better at thinking of it in these terms than I am, but over the last couple of years, how many blue jacket sweaters were, were nine, 77, 58, um, 71, 13, three. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, that's like almost, if, if you bought a, if you bought a sweater in the last five years, chances are that's one of them. Yep. hundred percent. Or one of those is, is that sweater. 71. Um, yeah. You said 71. Yeah. yeah. I mean, wow, this is, this is rocked to the core and, and it it was unsettling for a lot of people. The explana- the hockey explanation, I have to say, makes some sense. Cam Atkinson is a shooter. This team doesn't have enough scores, but they've got a lot of score of shooters with Line A at the top of the list, Bjorkstrand at the top of the list. Atkinson was that. And we I think we've said this before. When you've got a player like Line A, they they are a unique talent, but they're also a needy talent, and I mean that in this sense: they have to, they need something on their line to make them go. Mm-hmm. And with with Liney, it's almost like he needs an extremely smart defensive center, and he needs a play or a playmaking centerman, and and really good defensive players. Uh, Cam Atkinson might need the same. Cam Atkinson might need a playmaker, a la Panarin. Uh, good luck finding those that allows him to be the secondary concern on the line. And he could do as he loves to do, which is get lost and find that space that, that uh, make people fall asleep on him and, and, and strike like a snake. That's what he does. It's hard for that. So that's two lines. Now you've dedicated to being with needy forwards that, that are going to lead the way for you offensively. That's a kind of a hard way to to live in terms of mixing things up because Atkinson and Line did not make much sense on a line last year. Voracek, you can't tell me that that move wasn't made with Line in mind because Voracek is an incredible passer. Oh, for sure. I mean, and that's what I said. I mean, that's you can. Und- I don't disagree with the logic and the thinking behind the hockiness of the move. The issue is that this is not a team that is, in theory, looking to win a crap ton of games right now. Right. So that's where I think the sting comes a little bit, too, is that if this was, you know, if only we could unlock line A, we're on. Here we go. And and there are different motivators why they might need to unlock Patrick line I'm certainly not saying that that should be completely disregarded. But, you know, that's part of why this is – this was a decision made to help a player who is a very talented player who can need a specific thing, but it wasn't essential if you believe you understand what the organization's goals are for the next couple years, you know? And I think what the, and I'll say this till I'm blue in the face and we've talked about this, you know, I think what hurt cam wasn't so much the absence of a playmaker, because as we all remember, his most productive year goal scoring was the year before our Panarin came to the sure. blue jackets is that he needs someone who creates a diversion either through skill or through physicality. I mean, go back all the way to when it was a Calvert, Dubinsky, Atkinson line. Yeah. I mean, there's 
God bless Matt Calvert and Brandon Dubinsky, but it's not talent that was giving Cam Atkinson all kinds of space on Some that line. Talent, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, that's, there just wasn't, you know, again, you get rid of Josh Anderson, you get rid of Pierre-Luc Dubois, you don't have distractions to allow Cam to get lost. And so that's where I, I think he can go one of two ways with what he needs on his line. But yeah, hockey-wise, it makes sense. But even with it making sense, it why, the thing that needs to be able to make sense isn't necessarily in line with what the organization's long-term goals are, and therefore it makes the sting a little bit worse, I think. Uh, we should get to this. Felino signs with the Boston Bruins. Yes. Very interesting. Um, he, of course, has a history in Boston, gave money to the children's hospital there where his daughter had surgery, just as he did to the hospital here in Columbus. Mm-hmm. There's an emotional tie to that city. David Savard signs with the Montreal Canadiens. Alexander Wenberg, I'm told, uh, signs with the Seattle Kraken. <laughs> Can confirm. Can um, confirm. Michael Delzato has signed in Ottawa. What else we got, Allison? Anybody else? Uh, Adam Clendenning signed yes. in. Where did yeah, he go? Where yeah, did he go? Because yeah. I was just looking for it. Actually, it's it's been announced, but I don't see it on Cap Friendly yet. Let me see mm. if it's been updated. Okay, he's gone. Um, I've heard Ryan Murray is close to deal with Minnesota. Though yes. I don't think that's been announced yet. Correct. Um, let's see who else do we have who moved. That might be it. Okay. Yeah, you mentioned this player, and we should get to him briefly because he retired this week at the age of 31. Um, yes. One of the I, – I, I'll say one of the beloved Blue Jackets – I Rightly is, so. Is the way to put it. Yeah. Yes. Um, Maddie Calvert retired. Yes. Uh, there are the two great memories, the two big moments that come uh, to mind. The the night that Rick Nash, the most surreal night in franchise history when Rick Nash came that back to insane. Nationwide and he ended up fighting Rick Nash. What? And the other one where he was struck in the face with the puck and came back and scored the shorthanded goal. Great pass from Carlson, by the way. You're forgetting uh, the third one. The mo- the arguably, uh, I would even suggest, is potentially more important, if you it. really get down to it, than the stop New York it. goal. I'm dead stop serious. It. What is that? The f- first game-winning goal in the playoffs in franchise history. Yes, he scored the first in Pittsburgh. He scored yes, in double yeah. overtime. Come on. You know what's funny, though? And I... Pitched those two to Calvert. Those were the two memories he said at the top of his list. Well, I disagree with him. But he has, yeah. Well, I'll tell him you said that. Um, but overarching wise, Matt Calvert, you remember the relentless energy and yes. the passion with which he played. Yes. And just just a a tremendous individual. And I think that for as fun as he was and as fun as it was to have him um, around be you a fan or a member of the media, I think it's important to to note too how how smart and how thoughtful about the game he was. One of my favorite conversations that I I still cite to this day in my points about faceoffs, Aaron, yes. is Matt Calvert talking about how part of what makes the faceoff data messed up is that a center gets credit for work they may or may not do that forwards are such a huge part of face-offs as well. And he wasn't, you know, looking to gain points. He wasn't looking to say that centers weren't valuable. It was such an interest. I'll never forget it. It was such a fascinating conversation about how to really think about face-offs and how they really should be attributed and what really goes into them and how forward support centers and back and forth. 
So a tremendous guy. He's done a lot for local communities. He's done a lot for communities where he's played. And, and I wish him uh, best of health and, and full success in any aspect of life he pursues. And this is a son of the prairie, too. This, yes. is, a, this is a Manitoban through and through. I remember uh, one fall at the start of camp saying, what happened over the summer? Did you do anything memorable? And he said, you know what? I just spent all summer on, a, we, on this uh, deck on our house. It's like this monstrosity of a deck. I said, wow, how long did it take him to build that? And he oh, said, yeah, but yeah. I built it. Yep. Like, you know, here's a guy in the NHL. It's like, no, I'll do my own damn work. Yep. I'm not above it. I'm, He's it's a good. beauty. He's a beauty. He is a beauty. He is, by the way, going to be coaching with the Brandon Wheat Kings next year in a in a part-time coaching capacity to see how it goes. Tremendous. He, he was a great Blue Jack and a great Avalanche. He was first a Brandon Wheat King, though. Favorite and stat a, ever. And a damn good Wheat King. Go ahead. Natural, shorthanded, playoff hat trick. We How about that? Yes. Wow. You got to love the junior ranks. I don't care. Allison, it's a wonderful stat. So I, I, I'm cool with Cole Sillinger making the, the big club this year if that is if that is to be. Okay. But, I, but I'm kind of hoping he – and hang on, I shouldn't put it that way. But if he doesn't, yes, I'm super excited because I'm cutting off that road trip out west and I'm making my first freaking trip to Medicine Hat. Yes. I want to – I gotta, I gotta get Cam Loops off the list. I gotta get Medicine Hat off the list. I gotta get Swift Current off the list. These great Canadian stops, I gotta see them all. And this might be an opportunity. I'm gonna have a beer in Medicine Hat in December. So you're gonna have to talk to Derek Dorset. Have him recommend all the local hangouts. You oh, the hat. There's gonna be there will there will be Dorset jerseys in every restaurant in the hat. I bet. As there should. Be. As there should be. Indeed. Yes. Yes. Uh, Allison, anything else, God? What else could there be? I, you know, you feel like there's nothing more, and in Oof. 15 minutes, there'll be more. That's how yeah. this season has gone. Yes, exactly. Well, thanks for being with us. We will talk to you next week. And it's been great. It's been busy, but it's been fun. Uh, talk to you all soon. Take care.